This is The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish and how they're bearish and the chairs they cherish. I'm Patrick O'Shaughnessy, husband, father, director of Brightstone Venture Capital, and chairman and founder of O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. I'm Brian Nation, husband, father, Irish whiskey maker, and master distiller of O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. We're here on the podcast today to talk about building a company and a brand. Welcome back to The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair. We are officially on episode two, season three. Oh, it feels good to be back, back in the back in the brother's chair. Back here. in the saddle. Are you um, in the brother's chair or am I in the brother's chair? Uh, technically, you are because you're going to be giving up your seat today. <laughs> right. uh, so let's talk about our guests today. We these are uh, two gentlemen that we've been wanting to get on the podcast for a period of time now. Um, gentlemen by the name of Patrick O'Shaughnessy and Brian Nation. Uh, Patrick is the founder of something called O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. And Brian Nation is the master distiller. It is really a phenomenal story about uh, a brand, a whiskey brand, uh, a huge uh, in-house facility here in Minneapolis that they built, um, a distilling uh, distribution, and they're building a company that really is something special. And just to give you a little flavor for uh, who they are, Brian Nation, Patrick is a founder, venture capitalist, really smart guy, really passionate guy, and Brian moved his family here from Ireland. He was the master distiller at uh, Irish Distillers, which makes the brand Jameson, which, which is you may the be familiar le- with. leader in Irish whiskey. Yeah, so he was there. I think he was the, there haven't been that many, many master distillers. Three or four there, I think. Uh, I think it's like five or seven, but I don't, don't quote us on that. And so anyway, he moved his family here to start this company a year ago and what they're doing in Minneapolis and they're, they're, Spirits and whiskey has just started being distributed throughout the country. It's called Keeper's Heart, and you will for sure see it on uh, liquor stores and they have, they shortly. They've been the kings of PR and telling their story and creating the story. It has been something something yeah, phenomenal to I watch. Think, I hope that's show. one of the things we'll talk about is, you know, obviously having a product. Your product has to be good, okay? But what they've built around their team, their people, their marketing, uh, the things that they have picked out as the things that they're going to win at has been extraordinary in the last year. So um, you'll get to hear from them here shortly, and they are really, really smart entrepreneurs, and they're building something really special. I want you also to ask Brian Nation uh, what what he thought moving from Ireland to Minnesota would be like, and now that he's been uh, through a winter, what it will actually I'm be like. Absolutely, going to cover that. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and hearing their story is really fascinating. You know, moving over here, and I'm going to ask him. You know, did you just walk in the house one day, and, you, and he has children uh, that are in the house, and he's got he's married to say, you know what, honey, I think we're going to pick up and uh, just move to Minnesota. What do you think? <laughs> she said, where? And ultimately that happened. And so anyway, we're excited to have them on. But Billy, why don't you kick it off? Bullish, yeah, bearish. Yeah. All right. I got a bearish thing just because uh, I'm coming off of it and I'm kind of in the in a hiatus mode right now, but it is on today's kids sports. So I don't know if uh, some of you listeners know, but I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old, and I have now left little kid zone, toddler zone, and I'm entering the sports stages, driving kids around the kind of part of my life. And so some of you have been there and have graduated on from that. Some of you are in the middle of that. But what what I'm bearish about is the way that, that it feels like kids' sports have gone today. When I was little, you played baseball in the summer, football in the fall, hockey in the winter, and maybe something in the spring. I don't know. You played a little bit of everything and you were okay at a lot of sports. Today, it feels like you got to pick your sport, commit to it damn near year round to continue to excel in it by the time you are seven years old. I don't know if, if I'm just a nut job no, or if that's the way it works. That's the way it works. You know, I think they say, what sport are you going to specialize in? It's seven. Well, you're seven. I don't. So I was at a, actually, this fits right along. I was at an indoor soccer game. Okay, it's still winter here. It's still snow on the ground. Yeah. Well, uh, two weeks ago. And God forbid you don't play soccer in the winter. For my, yeah, for my daughter, she's eight, plays competitive soccer. That's good. Indoor soccer. And we're at <laughs> an indoor roller rink. Okay. The, the Is that roll, a thing still? Yeah, the roller rink with the lights and the ball, that whole thing. So I walk in there and there's games everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? So anyway, I was talking to this other dad and his son is in fifth grade. And here in Minnesota, 
you you know you can go you can, if you go to a private school you can go there in sixth grade for middle school or you stay at the public school and he's at a smaller uh, private elementary school and he's mm-hmm. in fourth grade okay mm-hmm. and there was a hockey another hockey dad and they were playing on the winter team and they were doing the back and forth of you know what's your kid going to do this spring this oh, yeah. summer oh, yeah. and the the other dad looks at this guy I'm talking to and says well you know is your son going to go to the public school like the public school district that we're yeah. in or is he going to go to the private school and the dad was like well I'm not really sure because they have an older daughter that goes to a private school. Okay. So he was fishing. Basically, his kids go to public school. And if your kid's not going to go play hockey at the public school, you know, I'm you're kind of making a different decision here. And he's <laughs> like, I thought we were talking about where you're going to play spring hockey. So anyway, he's <laughs> like, I was just shocked by it. Basically, I'll tell you what what's going to happen. Only if your kid's going to the right school. <laughs> otherwise, like, that's I'm not, ridiculous. Otherwise, if you're not coming with my kid, I'm not giving yeah, you insider give information. You any, I mean, your kid's 10 years old. It does. It just gets wild. And hell, maybe it was like that when I was little, too. I just didn't know it. I don't know. Maybe it's never it, changed, but it drives me half I think batty. it's changed. So uh, right now I'm on a hiatus between hockey season. If you notice, if you ever heard that, there was a good ad from Bauer, which makes a lot of hockey equipment. They said hockey season never stops. It just starts over, which right. is probably applied to all sports. Right. What about you, bullish? I'm going to go bearish, and I'm okay. I'm I'm going to kind of caveat this a little bit with like I'm not bearish on the overall direction this is headed. Okay, but I'm bearish on the hype. Sounds like a disclosure. Okay, it is a disclosure, <laughs> and the hype is surrounding. Uh, it is around. We'll just throw out electric vehicles. Okay, okay electric right. this, electric that. The whole world's going electric. I totally agree. The trend over time, over the next 10 years, right? If my kids in 10 years, will they drive an electric vehicle or will they drive a six-year-old gas one? I don't know. But generally speaking, we're headed there. I would agree. But what I don't, you know, everybody, if you listen, well, we're going to be electric. We're going to be all electric. You know, gas, when gas prices dropped to 30 or 40 bucks a barrel a couple years ago, almost everybody, well- they might go up to 50 or 60, but, you know, we're not using as much gas anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you know, the gas is good. Well, obviously, what we've seen happen over the last few weeks is we can tell that gas isn't necessary. I mean, we're still using a ton. I don't have any yeah. stats, but a ton of gas, right? Our houses, our cars, our, our everything we do. Mm-hmm. Not to mention it takes gas to build all the things electric. Yep, right? absolutely. And so, I think my caution is let's just be realistic Okay, gas is here for quite some time to stay. I would agree. And it's also driven by not e- not only supply and demand, but the fear, right? If somebody fears that it's hard to get gas, it's whatever, whatever, the prices skyrocket. I would agree. And so I'm all for moving in that direction, and we will slowly move there, but I just get a little bit tired of, you know, by the year 2025, we're going to be 92% energy independent. Yeah. And I, I can't. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm just, I'm not there with the electric car, taking the environment, all that, all that other stuff aside. Yeah, we'll put that aside for a moment. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have to plug my car in. I can barely remember to plug my phone in. Yeah. So what I don't want to do is wake up one morning and my car's dead, or I don't want to go on a road trip and have to sit outside of a, a Bass Pro Shop. They're not one of our sponsors, so I can say that. Nope. But <laughs> sit out there and plug my car in. I want to gas up my car, you, get some beef jerky, and roll. We need to get to like 500 miles on a, and not just a little, little vehicle, but like a decent size SUV that yeah. carries my stuff. You get me 500 miles, and I don't care if it's six below zero or 50 degrees, like I need some reliability there. And I think we're a little ways out. That and, you know, I get the Tesla Plaid goes 0 to 60 in 1.9. I like fast cars, but there is something to getting in a gas-powered yeah, combustion engine, firing it up, listening to the sound, grinding through the gears. Like, yeah. that's something that I hope 20 years from now I'm not like, man, I wish I still had one of those. Right. So anyway, I'm not, it's not that I'm bearish. I'm, I'm for the general direction. Yeah. I just think the speed of which we're going there it's a little blown out of proportion sometimes. No. And we apologize to all of you that own, you know, certain electric cars. That hey, we know they're passionate great. You are Listen, I enjoy them, but uh, <laughs> just, we just got to be realistic with where we're at. <laughs> Very good. 
Well, good. Well, I know we got uh, Patrick and Brian waiting outside, so we will bring them in. Nate, you had show one, and you're taking show two, so I'm going to have to do some catch-up here. I feel like uh, we're going to have to... I'll have to have my own sponsorship deals That's here shortly. We'll have to renegotiate our lucrative contract. That's right. All right. Well, I'll get out of here. Let Patrick and Brian come on in, guys. All right. Welcome to the Bull, the Bear, and My Brother's Chair, uh, Episode 2. Episode 2 of Season 3. You guys excited for this? Awesome. Really? Glad to be here today. Thanks for having us. We'll, we'll get into a lot of uh, really, really important topics here, but... Uh, I just want to tell you up front, if sales of your business take off, I'm going to credit it to this show. Is that fair? Well, We're going to watch the numbers. That's 100% fair, that. yeah. yeah. Okay, so <laughs> joining me today, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, founder of O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company, and Mr. Brian Nation, the master distiller of O'Shaughnessy. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to be, here. to be Thanks here. Thanks a million. Thanks, Absolutely. Dave. So we're going to talk today about a really unique uh, venture that Patrick and his uh, cousin, Michael, is that correct? Yes. Cousin Michael founded, um, is it? About four years ago. About four years ago and officially launched about a year ago? Yeah, just uh, launched in uh, September of last year. So yeah, kind and of that, still early days, but growing fast. Yeah, and that is O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. So I have Patrick and I have uh, Brian here. So let's start with you, Patrick. Tell us what is O'Shaughnessy Distilling? What was the crux? Why did you found it and what is it today? Well, I think the reason we founded it, uh, you know, we're an Irish American family. Our family came over during the heart of the potato famine. And uh, one day we were actually just hanging out as families do at a family reunion. What are we doing? Of course, we're drinking Irish whiskey late into the night. Maybe that's where all great business ideas come <laughs> from. And uh, when we woke up the morning after, after, it was still a good idea. And we just really researched a lot about uh, the spirits markets generally. And I think uh, everyone knows right now, globally, spirits markets are on fire. And when we look specifically at the Irish whiskey category, because category fit is really always important when you're thinking about building a company out. Uh, we found that Irish whiskey had been the fastest growing whiskey spirit category for the last seven years, kind of was on a, a terror, and yet it was kind of monopolized by Jameson and Bushmills, who controlled about 90% of the market. And we kind of realized, you know, if you think about how what's happening in craft brand explosions, you know, a, a mainstream of bourbon and vodka, you know, Jameson and Bushmills were basically sitting there uncontested in a little bit of a glass house. And we thought, huh. There's an interesting market there. If we've got the right, the story, the right brand, the right master distiller and a team, we can make a go at that and build a really uh, meaningful spirits company. Yeah, absolutely. And O'Shaughnessy, I've got to know these guys over the last two years or so, uh, specifically Patrick and, and his cousin Michael. And, um, you know, one of the things, Patrick, Patrick has, a, has had a very successful track record in venture capital, starting businesses, investing in businesses. And when I was introduced to Patrick a year and a half, two years ago, you know, my honest thought was this is going to be a guy who's done well in his life, who's going to back this distillery and really isn't going to know a lot about it. I mean, that was my original thought process, right? You run run into a lot of uh, people like that. Hey, I got this thing. I got this idea. Go talk to somebody else. We think it's a great idea. That wasn't the case. And what I've gotten to know and, and ultimately why you know, I think it's been a huge success is one, the team you've put together and we'll get to that. But in your opinion, when you start a business, when you build a business, you know, what are the elements that you have to be passionate about? Like why whiskey versus electric cars? Like what, What's the the key element to really starting and driving a business? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it was it was around just the uh, we thought we could create a business in the spirits business that was around bringing people together. And that was kind of our main reason. And whiskey and spirits becomes the vehicle to do it. Everybody knows when you're sitting around a table with a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey, good times are to be had. And that that creates an inherent kind of passionate you know, focus and drive to be successful and create something new. So I think it starts out kind of emotionally and organically that way. Ultimately, though, you've got to cross the chasm and you have a business to build. In our in our case, we're looking to now become kind of one of the world's great whiskey makers, starting first here in the United States, but ultimately looking for global Main Street. And once you've decided to kind of go big like that, kind of shoot for the stars, land on the clouds type moment, then it becomes about the team, right? 
that you're going to build that have that knowledge, that specialization, and um, and really ultimately great companies are built by great teams. And yeah. we're super proud of the team that that we've got. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great transition point to bring in our second guest here. And as our advisors and a lot of the folks listening, you know, as they've had success over the years, I think that that team element and hiring the right people, getting the right people on board has been uh, really something they've focused on. So, uh, Mr. Brian Nation, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure to be here. Thanks, uh, Nate. As you can tell, Brian is not a native Minnesotan. <laughs> um, Brian, I, I have a quick headline here, and this is something I read on the internet, so it must be true. It says, <laughs> Ireland lost its preeminent whiskey maker to a Minnesota craft distiller. Yeah. Is that true? That's, well... It was written on the internet, so it must <laughs> that, be true. That's right. So Brian has a, uh, I can't do his background justice, but you were 20 plus years um, with Irish distillers. That's correct, yeah. Which most would know as Jameson, Middleton, and several other brands. Uh, you lived in Ireland. You were born Yeah, I was in born. Ireland. I was born and raised in Cork, um, and my background is chemical and process engineering, like Doing that, I suppose, the last place I had thought I'd end up in would be a distillery, <laughs> but worked in a pharmaceutical plant, worked in an oil refinery, and, you know, enjoyed it, but felt that I wanted to do more and do something different. And an opportunity arose in the distillery in Ireland, uh, Irish Distillers, in back in 1997. Sure. And I went working with them. And I initially started as an environmental engineer, then moved into projects, and then ultimately ended up in production. And by 2013, I took over as master distiller from the then master distiller, Barry Crockett, and remained there until 2020. Sure. And uh, when I made the decision to, to move across to Minneapolis and the Twin Cities with my family and effectively take up the role as master distiller at O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. So, so let, let's just kind of reset here for a moment. So <laughs> you're the master distiller at Irish Distillers. Jameson, Middleton, others, uh, you get a phone call, get a text, get an email, something transpires between Michael O'Shaughnessy, Patrick, and you, and you ultimately make the decision, you're married with three children, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah, that's you correct. Yeah. So when you walk in the house, and I realize it doesn't happen quite like this, and you're like, hey, honey, I think we're moving to Minnesota to start this yeah. thing. Is that kind of what happened it, or how does that go? It certainly didn't happen like that. Okay, okay. Um, but, but talk about how yeah. that process well, went. the initial reach out came from LinkedIn, came through a LinkedIn message from wow. Patrick O'Shaughnessy. Um, and to be honest, I would have had a number of, you know, messages like that come on LinkedIn. Oh, but for, for sure. some reason, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe I was having a bad day at Middleton or whatever, but I saw Patrick's message and I responded to Patrick kind of, more out of politeness than anything else and saying, sure. you know, look, I'm not actively looking for a role or anything like that, but, you know, let me know some more information if you want to have a conversation, let's try and have one. So we had the, uh, that was the response I gave. Patrick played hard, hard to get. And he, didn't respond, and he didn't respond for four days. Okay, I was in shock that he wrote and, me back. And right. then, and then he actually responded with, "Here's my number. If you want to give me a call, give me a call." And I'm, I'm at home going, "Geez, this guy actually contacted me. Yep. So you know, if he wants to talk to me, I'll give him my number." <laughs> yeah. So it was really, like, it was really like fair. a dating process. It was unbelievable. So I turned around and I went back and I said, "Here's my number. If you want to talk to me." <laughs> yes. So ultimately, we had a conversation sure. and. That conversation, which I expected to last 10, 15 minutes, lasted for an hour and a half. And it was great because, you know, we instantly connected in terms of just being able to talk to each other. It was like as if we knew each other before. And um, we also, I also found it interesting that this was not a guy who just had a whim and wanted to just had this dream of building something without even researching it. The amount of effort and time and, and research they had done, but also the passion about what he wanted to develop. And it was something new. It wasn't just your regular American distillery or regular Irish distillery. This was a combination of both. So that intrigued me a little bit, but still the, the end of the conversation was, look, Patrick, you know, I'm not going to move. Um, I'm very happy where I am. Um, he said he'd be in Ireland in the next three months. Would I meet him? I said, of course I will. If there's anything I can do that doesn't, you know, conflict with what I do with Irish distillers to help you, I'll do it with a heart and a half. Yeah. Came down the stairs, told my wife this, and my wife's initial reaction was, why are you doing this? You're very busy. You're never going to leave Irish <laughs> distillers. You're married to the job. You'll never leave all of this. And I was going to go, well, he's a nice guy. If I can help him, I help him. But as I was having the conversation with my wife, a text came through saying, 
I'll actually be in Ireland in the next two days. <laughs> I'm bringing my cousin and my uncle, and we'll meet you anywhere in Ireland. And I, my reaction, pardon the expletive, was Jesus, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to guess, Patrick, you didn't have that trip planned. I, I did not. That, the second I got off the phone call, I was like, well, I will be in Ireland in two days. Yeah. Uh, because when you have an opportunity to connect with somebody with Brian's pedigree capability, you know, Brian as a master stiller, and this is back to building a team, right? right. Is, 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 you know, your listeners know, um, consumers now are all about authenticity and integrity right. and they need a reason to really believe in the brand and want to be a part of it. So when, when, when Brian said, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll come in, I'll, I'll chat with you at some point. Sure. It's like, okay, it's time well, to move. Well, to, to, to your comment, Brian, and I made the comment earlier about, you know, initially meeting Patrick and I was introduced to him through a, a mutual friend and that's what I, I thought, Hey, you know, we go there, listen, but, that you, you hit it on the head, right? The knowledge base, the passion, the, this is what we're doing. This is what we're building. You know, do, do you want to be a part of the team? Eventually it takes time, it but does. eventually it's like, it, this it is does. special. And, and look, what ended up was they, they came to Ireland, myself and my wife met them. Um, again, we thought we were coming for, you know, a two hour meeting or a two hour, you know, discussion sure. over dinner. And it turned into five to five and a half hours, sure. of which during that period of time, we did not talk one minute about whiskey. And it was an amazing conversation because it was so easy to, to chat, to converse with Patrick, Michael and Jerry. And my wife was very comfortable as well in the whole sure. conversation. And we spoke about what was important to us in terms of, you know, values, in terms of our family, in terms of what we wanted out of life. So it was all really, really a comfortable conversation. And right. it was like as if we had, you know, there was no awkwardness in any part of the conversation. And just as we were about to end the evening, Patrick kind of said that we, we should talk a little bit about whiskey, <laughs> considering that we have been sitting here for so long. So we did. And we agreed that we'd have a further conversation got into the car to go home and my wife said, if we'd no kids, I would be gone to Minneapolis in the morning. These guys are brilliant. <laughs> and you know, that was, that was the first that's time. That's a big caveat That's though. a big caveat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was the first time that this became real. Yeah. And people ask me, you know, what drove you to do it? Well, the first thing for me were the people and the people we met and the people we've come across because, you know, for me, it's very important around building relationships and for any business to succeed, you have to be able to build a relationship and trust the people that you're going into business Absolutely. with. And one of the things that I found was that there was never a moment throughout all of, and we might get onto this a little bit later, there was, you know, once we made the decision, there was a global pandemic. We couldn't move. Right. We couldn't do all this. Right. There was a lot of uh, barriers in our way, but at no point did we ever regret the decision that, that I had made to leave because, you know, the O'Shaughnessy family yeah. were amazing and steadfast and true to their word. And so that's the first reason we're here is because of the people. Yes. The second reason we're here is the opportunity to be part of a team that build a brand that builds a brand from the ground up and builds a new distillery from the ground up. They're exciting, especially when you're in a career where a lot of it is traditional, a sure. lot of it is about maintaining the, the heritage and all yep. of that. We have an opportunity that has an authentic story and has have the ability with a, with a fantastically talented team to build a brand from the ground up. We have the caliber, we have the the authenticity of our story, but we also have the, you know, the ability to really grow a brand and then to be involved in building the distillery that is first class for, it's one of the biggest craft distilleries around I would say when you yep. when you consider what we've done you know yeah you know that story you told about when you and your wife went and, and met with them uh when we were first starting our company and we had uh not a lot of millions under management like a very small amount and we met a gentleman who ended up becoming our chief investment officer recently retired from here um and we had dinner with he and his wife and he was at a place a large investment firm and they he managed his team 10 billion or 12 billion or whatever the number was and we had like 15 million. And uh, it was the same <laughs> thing though, us. right? This is what we're building. This is what we're doing. And about a week or two later, it, it and he didn't have to move, right? He just mm -hmm. had to move to us. Um, but that, that story resonates with us. And so Patrick, let's kind of fast forward to today. Okay. As I said, when I met you guys, you know, the plan, the vision, the passion, the people, it was outstanding, right? So let's fast forward to today. 
O'Shaughnessy is located in Minneapolis here, just not far south of yep, our just office. Just right next to Surly. Yep. And uh, so talk about what O'Shaughnessy is today. The facility, the people, you've got the team. What does it look like today? Paint that picture for those that have not yet been to O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, so here in Minnesota, we've as my, as Brian was saying, we've tried to build a world class distillery that honors the the kind of the capable hands that we have. And, and Brian is our master distiller, so we're about a thirty thousand square foot uh, facility. Uh, while the square footage isn't really giant, uh, if you actually look at our production capability. Uh, we are probably in the top half of 1% to a quarter percent of all craft distilleries in the United States. So we built the scale, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a humble vision to where we're kind of pointing our, our sight lines is to become a global whiskey brand. And we built uh, to do that at scale. Uh, as we started here humbly in our hometown, uh, you know, companies evolve and grow and their vision kind of reshapes each day. Our original vision was, you know, five markets a year for five years, kind of yep. uh, a conservative growth line, but growing uh, now, you know, with the brand story, with Brian as our master distiller, a real reason to believe in the whiskey and the brand. We're now basically taking a national footing in our essentially our first year of real operations that'll take us to 25 to 30 markets and then we'll be uh, fully national next year, basically across the United States and setting our sights across the pond. So we built the distillery here in Minnesota that is a uh, a home. It, it gives us the integrity of we make it here yep. under under Brian's craft, if you will. Uh, and then, you know, from there, we've built out uh, a, a team of it started initially with Brian uh, as our master distiller. But he brought in uh, Patty Caulfield, who's a, kind of a marketing whiz that had early days as a brand ambassador at Jameson. It then became their senior brand director, moved on to run Absolute Vodka in the entire Scotch portfolio over at Pernod Ricard. We built a, a brought in a great CEO who was a local here running a $450 million distillery that had that operational hat, but he also had, he was historically from Diageo, so he understood marketing and sales insights and how to really activate a product in the market. So we brought a team together that really has an execution capability uh, second to none, and that allows us to go kind of move at a, at a much faster scale when you've got that kind kind of a team kind right. of, you know, driving the, driving the bus. There's no question. You know, in my mind, you know, when you're building a business, you've got certainly a lot of categories, but people, you know, service sales, the experience that, that customers and others experience, you've got product, which we'll get to, and then you've got brand. Okay. And all of those somewhat are intertwined. So we talked a little about people. Let's talk about product. Okay. We all know if we're going to sell something, we're going to offer something of value we have to have a, a, a really good to a world-class product that helps, okay? Now, whiskey, for the average person, myself included, um, I could taste a lot of whiskeys, and I could tell you, I kind of like this one, I kind of like that one, but I really don't know the difference, okay? And I would, I would venture to say 90-plus percent of the world probably falls in my camp. <laughs> so, Brian, let's talk about product. Keeper's Heart is the flagship yeah that's a fair statement yeah uh talk about the process what are you building from a product standpoint what have you built how and let's let's try and keep it at the you know the normal guy level <laughs> and uh what what are we building in terms of the next year two yeah. three five and it takes time okay so like our simplified vision and philosophy at o'shaughnessy distilling company is to irishize american whiskey and americanize irish whiskey so if we take our first release, which is sourced whiskey, um, it's actually a blend of Irish whiskey and American whiskey. So this is a world first in terms of we're actually bringing the richness of Irish potstill whiskey and the boldness of American rye whiskey together, as well as the sweetness and delicateness of Irish grain whiskey as well. So we've created a, a totally new taste profile in the market. And this actually gives people 
an opportunity that, you know, it, it's the best of both worlds, really. You've got people, you, you, you do have people that enjoy American whiskey that don't like Irish whiskey because they feel Irish whiskey is too smooth, it's, it's, it's too mellow. And then you, on, the, on the flip side, you've got Americ- Irish whiskey drinkers that don't like American whiskey because they feel it's too bold, it's too robust, there's too much of a wood contribution. So what we decided to do is bring the best of both distilling traditions together. And Keeper's Heart Irish American is a real is a really great taste experience in terms of it gives you a layered and two-dimensional approach that you wouldn't get from 100% Irish or 100% American whiskey. It's also extremely versatile because that was very important for us when we were putting this whiskey together because if you look at the way people enjoy whiskey nowadays to compare, say, 10, 15 years ago, gone is the day where people will only drink their whiskey neat and on the rocks. They now want to drink it in long drinks, highballs, and they want to experiment in cocktails. So for us to be a successful brand and to be able to play in all of those spaces, we needed versatility. So putting the the actual whiskies together, we sourced Irish whiskey from Great Northern Distillery in Ireland, and then we sourced our American whiskey from MGP in Indiana. And then we set about putting the, pro- the, 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 the components together. And that was an interesting process. We had 120 to 140 different prototypes starting out, and over time, whittled them down and, and brought them down. And it was great because we had David Perkins, who was the founder of High West Distillery. Yes. He's on board with us as, a, a, as an investor, but also as a liquid collaborator. And he was really a guy that was at the cutting edge of innovation in American whiskey. So having him on board to, to work with us on this has been an amazing experience. So that's on the, we'll say, on the whiskey that we've released today, which is Keeper's Heart Irish American. And, and, how, and where, Patrick, today... What states or areas could people buy uh, Keeper's Heart? Yeah, I, I just add one thing to what Brian was saying that, um, you know, kind of at a market business level, that that innovation is uh, is basically we've created a whole new category, right? We've we basically pushed bourbon and American whiskey this way and Irish a little bit into its category while creating this whole new market space for us so that that innovation and point of difference really creates a market that we only can go after right now and that's kind of allowed us to move into a a really significant uh, growth trajectory because people have loved the whiskey and they've loved kind of the new blend if you will of the bringing kind of the smoothness of Irish with the boldness of American so uh, we we are in nine markets today um, as we sit here uh, in the next few weeks we launch another five markets and so by the end of the year we'll be in um, in about uh, 30 markets and we're also in some markets through a, a group called reserve bar so even though we actually aren't just dis- ma- doing distribution for example right now in california or texas people in those states can still order but you know some of our big call out states right now are minnesota colorado illinois massachusetts new york and new jersey okay. upcoming um and uh wisconsin we're launching tomorrow yeah, we're in Kansas already. Kansas. Wisconsin people. Wisconsin people, drink they, they, they right? can drink. Not, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm not it's sure that's there. true, but I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that's good. So, uh, Brian, um, as you talk about Keeper's Heart, right, it's, uh, again, I listen to some of my friends who are into bourbon and other things, and they're like, oh, I got this thing, and it's $1,850, and it's, it, what you just described sounds to me like, I'm not sure if it's, $200 or $800, but that's not the case, right? So Keeper's Heart, it falls kind of from a price point generally. Where, where does that it live in the... It falls in, in around 32 to $35 bracket, right? Which is great from a point of view of accessibility. Yep. And it's very important when you are in, in the market trying to grow your brand and really pushing for, you know, the versatility side of yep. it is that people are can... can approach this whiskey in any way, shape or form they want to experiment with it. So that price point was very important for us and we're really happy to to be able to have it at that price point. You know, when you look at what we're also doing at the distillery then, we have taken um, the Irish quintessential style of distilling making, which is triple copper pot distillation, and we're making American whiskey at our distillery since August in that style. We're making a triple copper pot distillation process using uh, malted barley and unmalted barley, and that's our American single pot still. We're also going to be making a triple pot distilled rye, 
which will be a world first. Yep. And we're also going to be making a triple copper pot distilled bourbon, which again will be a world first because it will be 100% triple copper pot distilled. So this is where we're talking about back to the whole idea of a new category. We're actually using that Irish style to create these new whiskies, and that in itself will create a different taste profile to your regular rye or your regular bourbon. So we're really excited about being able to bring those to the market, which ultimately will be three years from now. Right. Because what we will look at is, you know, we're not going to rush these onto the market. We want to make sure that the quality is right. And, you know, you go through all of the attention to detail and the quality all the way through the process. So we're not going to release it early just for the sake of getting these other keeper heart, keeper's heart whiskies out onto the market. We will wait, take as long as it takes for right. it, the quality to get there. And that's around three years. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. I've seen you know some of the things Patrick has shared with me of what you guys are building and, and yeah. where you're headed. Uh, again, going back, and I think I read either on your website or in an article, you know, when you guys started, there was this, I don't remember if it was three and five year or five and seven year, but this five and the seven year roadmap, right? Where you're saying we don't have to do all this and you can't do all of it in yeah. one or two years, right? It's a long process. So let's talk a little bit, Patrick. And if, if many of you probably have not, but if you, if you haven't, if you search Brian Nation whiskey or you search O'Shaughnessy uh, whiskey, you can read for, hours and hours and hours and hours and watch tons of videos. And so I want to talk about the marketing a little bit, which is really cool. I mean, I've seen, fortunately, you know, we're involved in a lot of marketing in, you know, our advisors and what we're doing here. What you guys have put together is, is really something special. I mean, it's cool. So why why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, talk a little people, a little about product and the brand. Obviously, you got to have the right people and the right product to create a brand. Without that, it's difficult. But why don't you talk a little bit about whether it's social media, just getting the word out there, how you guys are doing that. And again, I would encourage you for the folks listening, if you haven't, check out their website, go to YouTube, put in O'Shaughnessy, put in Brand Nation and just watch. It's really impressive. So talk a little about what you guys are doing to take that product and really make it something special out in the in the United States. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, consumers today, especially the millennial consumer, really is driven by, you know, making sure you have a big brand presence yes. and awareness uh, through social media. And, you know, they, they love videos. They love blogs. This is how they relate to the world. This is how they get their information. And uh, because it's so personal like this, you're always storytelling and so forth. It's approachable. It's relatable. So we wanted to basically through Keeper's Heart, make an approachable brand. We also wanted it to have kind of an organic groundswell that was a little bit of a combination of kind of edgy, poke the bear marketing, yes. maybe a few uh, maybe <laughs> a few shots across the bow to, uh, to Ireland. Across the and, pond, so to speak. Uh, right across <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the pond, if you will. And, you know, that, that campaign idea that we had, and like you said, there's some really cool videos, was, you know, basically... You know, the people of Ireland lost this kind of world-renowned, iconic master distiller. It's preeminent pre- whiskey pre- maker. Preeminent. We don't want to give, quote, give him too big of an <laughs> ego, but uh, <laughs> but it's but it's the truth, right? And uh, let's say uh, you know we yeah. we recognize that 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 probably hurts on some level. So we we wanted to basically. Um, you know, kind of take advantage of the idea that, hey, Ireland wants to say a fond farewell to <laughs> Brian, offer him some well wishes. We, in turn, would offer them a, a great apology letter. If, if you were to actually look at some, you look at the video uh, where the, where his friends say goodbye to him on one side. Um, and then if you look at some of the We're Sorry Ireland apology campaigns, <laughs> we took out an ad in the Irish Examiner we took out a second page ad in the Boston Herald where we apologize to the Irish that that Brian has joined us. But it's actually really bringing our two, the Irish and the Americans, closer together because we're bringing these, these great whiskey traditions together. And you don't have to be sorry too long because it'll it'll be arriving back in your hometown in, in, <laughs> not, uh, not in, in Ireland and not, not too distant, not future, too distant yeah. future. So edgy uh witty kind of poke the bear and our real goal was by using that kind of a more guerrilla-esque marketing and where things can really take on a viral nature you can start to build network effects really soon i think we are at 400 million impressions uh from a readership uh because we're getting picked up by forbes and maxim and 
daily hook and so forth in the last, you know, in our own Instagram and on YouTube and Hulu. It just shows you how powerful these marketing channels really are for anybody who's building a brand and wants to get that voice out there. I think we've got over a million views in the last 30 days. So (laughs) we're really harnessing the power of social media. And especially when you're targeting that we're, we're an approachable brand across all demographics, but the real demographic that is driving the spirits category as a whole to a frenzy of the millennials and this is where they they live and experience brands. So uh, it's been a it's been a tremendous uh, yeah. channel for us. The the, the Irish uh, the Ireland video that was created. I I remember I watched it a few weeks ago in my office and I just laughed. <laughs> I sat there by myself and laughed. And it, it is it is edgy. It is you can't watch that video and think oh that was I didn't really like that. It it was impressive. Okay, so um, let me ask you a question, Patrick. About you know as you're talking about you know, people, um, marketing, how do you think about hiring a, you know, a full member of the team to do certain aspects, whether it's social media, obviously product is extremely important versus outsourcing it. You know, I think that's a, that's a constant battle in people's mind of, well, I could outsource this part of it. I want to hire this part of it. How in your mind, as you're looking at social media and other things, do you do you have any rules of the road, so to speak, what we hire full time versus what we want to outsource? Yeah. And obviously a, distribution too, which we haven't yeah, talked that's about. A great, that's a great question. So I think that our, 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 our mentality and philosophy is that all of the critical talent, whether it's at the master distiller level, marketing creativity and marketing execution on the sales is those have to be internalized. Yep. We need the very best, the very brightest long industry professional careers in their various domains, all highly specialized only within the spirits business. So we actually have not brought anybody really onto our team that doesn't hail directly from this industry because it's a kind of a specialized industry. Uh, from there, you you really set the, let them create the vision of product with Brian, marketing with Patty, Mike is CEO, managing you know, who's got a long history of doing that as an operator right. in spirits. And then you you really only try to outsource kind of the execution extensions, uh, you know, where an agency you might bring in, you create the, the fundamental marketing yep. campaign. You do that collaborative with some of the creative agencies, but ultimately you have to own that, that campaign or whatever that is at a product level yourself first. And then the the outsource part of it is really extending and activating it in the market. Uh, and even there, I think you can't can't trust a brand only to kind of outsource marketing outreach and so forth. Like give an example, one of the things you naturally do within the whiskey space is you go to, to liquor stores and you do samplings and so forth. Some brands like smaller craft brands that just don't have the resources will outsource a hundred percent of that to an agency, but then you no longer have total control of your story and the direct consumer experience and the relatability and creating that kind of emotional moment with, with a consumer. So we're actively in the market doing that ourselves. So we try to own as much as that Mm. as we can. I, I think it's very important, especially when you're when you're building a new brand and you want to be, you know, we have an authentic story, we have a real credentials that to do as much of it yourself as possible is really important. I mean, a key part of growing the brand is people getting the opportunity to taste the whiskey, but also to hear the story. And it's great to hear the stories from the individuals that are part of the distillery right. as opposed to hearing it through a, an agency or whatever. So we've been doing, uh, our whole team have been doing basically statewide tours when we come in to, to launch in a market we do a crew drive where we literally try and hit as many of the off-prem and on-prem as we can in order to show you know to show the respect to the state that we're going to as well that we're really serious right. about what we're doing but we really appreciate your support and we're building the relationships as we go and people appreciate relationships I mean we talk about it all the time is that Building relationships, particularly in this business, but in any business, is key to the success of any brand. Right. So that's a key part of everything we do. So Patrick is is in Wisconsin tomorrow. I'm in Kansas tomorrow. We're in Colorado next week. We're constantly going out into market with the rest of the team and trying to, to build those relationships as we go. In, in the spirits business, uh, distributors are almost kind of a quasi-outsourced 
yes. type partner because they are the ones in the three-tier system that actually is allowed to sell directly to a retailer or an on-premise right. account. We're not allowed to go sell any of our spirits products directly to those accounts without the distributor. But in, in that sense, a distributor kind of is like a value-added reseller. Right. And lots of companies, as you know, use channel partners to bring their products to life. Yep. Some actually entrust the whole thing to the to the value-added reseller or the distributor. But I think the brands that are most successful are the ones that actually really partner deeply with their distributor and they're in the market with them kind of every day meeting that real consumer creating that real experience and those those channel partners want that collaboration that that makes their job a lot easier so you you kind of half outsource it and half do it yourself yeah, i think that's great and we we face a lot of those same you know our our business here right we are a lot of times the distributor for the big insurance companies and other people who use a group like us to distribute to our advisors. So I have a couple of, uh, we're getting towards the end here, but a couple of, uh, I don't know, fun or unique questions for the two of you as we, as we go. So, um, as I said, I'm your average whiskey consumer. Okay. I've done the tasting at O'Shaughnessy. It's awesome. The experience itself is, is fun. I love the whiskey, but again, you put six of them in a row for me. I have a hard time. I can taste the difference, but I can't exactly tell you what's better or worse if that's a, a thing. So my question to you, I do like old fashioned, old fashions. Okay. Am I a, am I frowned upon as a non real whiskey drinker? If I've got a, if I have like an old fashioned versus having it neat or how, how does that work? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, in terms, I, I've been done many tastings through my career. <laughs> sure you have. And people, you know, <laughs> when you're doing an official tasting, you do it through Absolutely. obviously neat and you add your water yep. and all of that. However, I've been asked many times as, you know, what was the best way and what is the right way to drink my whiskey? Yep. And my answer is always the same. You drink the whiskey, you drink your whiskey the way you enjoy it. I will never stand and prescribe to somebody how to drink their whiskey. Okay, good. Whiskey is there to be enjoyed and experimented with and drink the way you enjoy it. Okay, when when my wife and I went to the distillery about a couple months ago, and she's not a really a hard hard booze of any kind person, and she said, well, do they have beer and wine? And I said, no, it's a distillery. And she said, well, I'm not really sure I like whiskey. And then we went there, and she had two from your cocktail menu and she's yeah. like I, I love this is this whiskey and I said yeah it's whiskey what, what do you think it is and so anyway <laughs> that is music to our ears <laughs> she, she did um so my next question to you Patrick is when you're there at the distillery you obviously spend a fair amount of time there um what's been the the feedback okay it's a busy Friday night a busy Saturday night you you go in what are people saying what do you see and feel in the room? Like, what's that been like for you and what's been your experience there? Well, I think we, we're, we're fortunate that we've got a, a really beautiful space that has kind of a whiskey lounge, almost has kind of an old, like, yeah. world feel with kind of the deep mahogany, the things you'd expect to, like, sit, you know, uh, with a glass of whiskey and the, 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 the pot stills, three of them, they're giant. They're like 18 feet tall, 27,000 pounds each. And they, they kind of are looming through a big window, which right. allows the guests to have a real brand experience and a connection to the distillery right there while they're kind of swirling that cocktail. And as we started, you know, that vision originally, as we were saying earlier, was around bringing people together. And so to see people at a table kind of in that that circle and you see the smile on their faces and then the best experience is to go over to their table and say, you know, what brought you here? Yeah. Tell me your story. Absolutely. Because everyone's got a really unique story of sometimes of how they found you. And, uh, you know, I think we just, it become, really comes down to, to joy, right? I yeah. think we're creating a, a home and a place away for people to gather. Uh, and that's just been really special seeing those smiling faces uh, you know, you know, you're, you're in the, doing the right thing. Yeah. I would concur. It's a special place whenever I've been in there and just seeing the activity in the, the, certainly the facility is, is first class. Um, and I think that goes to much in our business too, right? You might have the best product in the world. You might have the best people, but if somebody can't walk into your office or to your distillery or to whatever that business you're in and feel like it's their okay, home. Th this product meets the you know, the experience that I expected, uh, I think that's yeah. where a lot of people fall down. I mean, you, yeah. you go in and if I walked into a little warehouse and Brian's in the back corner and there's a bunch of stuff <laughs> there, it's not going to be the same. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. 
and I, again, it's back to you know the way people feel welcomed into the into your Absolutely. home as well, and you know what we want everybody that comes through our doors is to effectively leave as a Keeper's Heart ambassador. Yes. So we want them to have the best experience that they can get. We also want them, you know, we have put a lot of effort into the education on the tours as well to give people as much or as little education about what we do and what sets us apart as they want to take away. It's not about shoving it down people's throats, (laughs) but it's about giving them the opportunity to learn more about the whiskey process and what sets us apart from others as well. Yeah. My last question to you, Brian. You've been in Minnesota for almost a year. How long? I've been in Minnesota, like I've been traveling back and forth from January 2021. No, I'm talking lived oh, here. moved since <laughs> August here. Since August. August. Okay, August, so you yeah. experienced a little bit of summer. Yeah. Give me your honest impression about, you know, living in Minnesota, which is far different than living in Ireland where you came from. And what is Brian looking forward to doing in about 60 days when we have some sun and some warmth? Give me the Minnesota experience. The Minnesota experience has been amazing. It Good. has been cold, right? Yeah. Yes. But having said all of that, what we've learned is to embrace it. And there's no such thing as cold weather, but just bad clothes. <laughs> um, what I'm looking forward to in the next 60 days is to actually getting out on Lake Minnetonka okay. and going out on a boat and yeah. pontooning and playing around and diving into the lake and having a bit of a swim because I did this in August um, <laughs> and it was brilliant. Yes. I really enjoyed it. And these are things we wouldn't have normally done in Ireland. Yeah. You know, obviously there's things in Ireland I miss. I miss my family, but they're yeah. coming and visiting us. My my wife's parents and my parents are coming in April and May. That's great. And we're going to have a great time. So really looking forward to all of that, but love the Minnesota experience. I wouldn't change it for the world. Okay. Uh, you betcha. Would that be a good uh, <laughs> yeah. response well, to that? Yeah, there's two things I learned, right? It was <laughs> you betcha and brr. Brr. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I know we're uh, we're coming to the end here. Anything else for either of you to add before we wrap up? Well, for me, it's just been, it, this has been a great experience. I really enjoyed it, Nate. So thanks for Absolutely. having us on. And, you know, uh, anybody that wants to come visit us, please come to yeah. our O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. We're right next to Surly Brewing and we'd love to welcome you there. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic to be here, uh, Nate. Uh, a pleasure. And uh, yeah, love telling our story. And yeah. uh, thanks for profiling us today. Um, where our, our doors are open. Yeah, I would just, uh, to close out here to Patrick and to Brian, you know, we're, we have, uh, for our advisors listening or others, you know, we do a lot of events here and we were actually just was giving a little tour of the office and uh, talking about what could be, right? Could we yeah. do some events down there? Could we do some events in our office? And I think that's all a possibility. Uh, but, you know, congrats to you guys on what you're, what you're in the you know, early stages of building, and it's been incredible so far, and obviously what you, what you have ahead of us. So if anybody gets to Minnesota, uh, let me know. I'm happy to uh, get you to the right people to get you an experience at O'Shaughnessy. And also, I'll reiterate, if you haven't looked at their marketing, their branding, what they're doing on their website uh, through Brian Nation and through uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, spend some time Googling it. You will see some things that you will say to yourself, I should do more things like that in your own (laughs) respect. And uh, so anyway, gentlemen, thank you guys for joining me and congrats on everything so far. Ah, Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.